Albums That Changed My Life is a spinoff series of rock and roll bedtime stories where I, Brian, or one of my friends, colleagues, producers, co-hosts, somebody on the show talks about an album that's very special to them. And today, I'm going to take another turn because I can. And I'm going to talk about an album that I came to several years after it was released. It was not something I discovered in the moment. I discovered it after. And there's always a magic to that to me because it means I could at any day wake up and hear something electric and amazing that I haven't heard before. It, 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 it inspires me to continue to dig through hours and hours of streaming audio, through stacks and stacks of CDs and record stores, through lots of vinyl maybe even cassettes, depending on the day, right? To keep on that search for something that I might have missed. Because sometimes I find something like this record. But let's talk a little bit about this band. And instead of going straight to the band who put out the album that I love, that changed my life, and made me think a little differently about songwriting and song structure, let's start instead with a band that one of the members of this band used to be in. A band who had a song called Homophobes Are Just Pissed Because They Can't Get Laid. Nothing I can say will change your little mind Wish I could get right or wrong You won't be left behind But you're weak Man, I do love pop punk rock. It is one of my favorite passions in life. And this band's pretty good. This is a Fat Records band from the early 1990s, a band you've probably heard of called Propagandi. Uh, and we're not here to talk about the main guys in Propagandi. The main guys start this band in the mid-80s, and they get a record deal with Fat Records and, and Fat Mike from NoFX when they play a show with him in the early 90s, and they do a cover of I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick, and it catches his attention, and he puts out a record for them. Um, But before that happens, they will go through several bass players, and at some point, they will get a guy to play bass for them named John K. Sampson. And John K. Sampson will be in Propagandi for a while as their bass player, but all the while, he's working on other projects of his own. He's a songwriter in his own right, and he's writing in a different style, but he really does love uh, punk rock. And so when he gets to go behind the mic and build this band, he'll leave Propagandi in 1997 to start a publishing company and another group. And when he starts this group, he is writing and combining his love for punk rock and alternative rock and maybe country music to a certain degree. Um, And he puts it all in a blender and creates this band called the Weaker Thans. Now, they're from Winnipeg, Canada. If you've never heard of them, you might be wondering why. And it's not that they weren't popular. They were pretty popular in Canada. Fairly short lifespan, 97 to really 2007 um, in terms of output, they will stick around and, and pretend to be a band for like another seven or eight years. In 2015, they'll officially break up. But the last full-length record that's really them comes out in 2007. Four records in total. Fallow, 
Left and Leaving, Reconstruction Site, and Reunion Show. But the one I want to talk to you about is number three, and it's where I think they almost hit perfection. It's that record, Reconstruction Site. This is the first song on that record, and it's called Manifest. So tell me nothing matters less or more. Say whatever we think actions are. We'll never know what anything was for. If near is just as far away as far. And I'm permitted one act I can say. I choose to sit here next to you and wave. The trumpet playing's too good to miss. I had to let you get to the trumpet. Also, it's a great example of the the sort of strange mix that this album is uh, and this band is. The earlier records are a little more straight up punk rock and rock and roll, but when they get to Reconstruction Site, he's playing with song structure, he's playing with uh, lyrics, of course, and he's playing with instrumentation. And so you hear things like this. And I have to say... He uses a lot of words. He's a very verbose guy. It's like he's writing the opening couple of chapters to a novel with every song. And when we get to some of my favorite moments of this record and the parts that really resonate with me emotionally, it's that writing. Now, it's not for everybody. Um, I will say, if you care what Pitchfork thinks, Pitchfork doesn't really care for the Weaker Thins. Every Weaker Thins album has done about a six. I think the, the first one was a six and everything has been below that since somewhere in the fives right so on a 10 point scale that's not that's not great i typically think pitchfork is full of shit so i don't care what pitchfork thinks but i will say this isn't necessarily for everybody some of their criticisms are fair in that you know yeah there's a lot of words here Uh, there's a lot of storytelling being done and you may think it's precious or twee or you may really feel like it hits you in the face and for me it's it really resonates uh the second song on the record is if there was i think this might have been a single um but it is the most straightforward sort of pop punk song on the record and it's called the reasons Then you get to track three, which is the title track. And this, to me, is the track that took me from, yeah, this band sounds pretty good. I can get behind this, to being sort of obsessed and wanting to hear everything that they'd done. Um, Again, I can't pinpoint exactly when I heard this album for the first time, but I'm going to say it it must have been post-2010. So the record was a good five years to ten years old. Um, and I'm not entirely sure how I missed it because something that happens in their career is that they put out those first two records and then the third record gets them more notoriety because they get on Brett Gurowitz from Bad Religion's record label, Epitaph. So this is an Epitaph release. Now you've heard Murdoch and I geek out about Epitaph records on the show before, and it's probably not going to be the last time you hear us do that. Um... Because hugely influential record label on a lot of bands and a lot of musicians, hugely influential record label on us as people um, because of the stuff that they have released over the years, all the way from those early Bad Religion records to things like Motion City Soundtrack and onward. Um, 
and a whole bunch of stuff in between, like the first Offspring record. Uh, but they released this Canadian sort of rock band's uh, record, right? Uh, the guy who was the bass player in Propagandi for a while. And that gets them quite a bit more notoriety, especially in the States, I believe. But this is this is the song where when I heard this, and, and I did think around the other day, I was like, where did I hear this? Because I don't know anyone else that likes the weaker things. Uh, you know, most bands that I love, there's at least one person who when I get really geeked out about something about that band, I can text. A lot of times that's Murdoch. Sometimes it's not. But I don't know anybody else that likes the weaker thins, which means I discovered them on my own. And I think it was via the music blogs. Now, that's something we have not really talked about on this show, but there's a distinct period of time, specifically for me, it was like 2007 to 2010, where most of my music came from bloggers. And there was this thing called Hype Machine, Hype M. I don't know if any of you know about this or remember this, but it was this aggregator of MP3s that had been posted on music blogs. So it really worked like this. It was like a search engine. You could go weaker, you could go to Hypem and you could type in weaker thans. And it would pull anything in its database where the weaker thans had been talked about on a music blog. And typically they would back in the day, it was like a little bit the Wild West uh, for a few years on the internet about whether or not it was legal to just upload MP3s if they were for sampling purposes, if you weren't putting putting up the whole album. So different blogs would put up different parts of different records, and so you could run around to these blogs and collect big chunks of albums that were out. And this is what I would do. Um, We were broke. We just moved across the country. I had a young kid at home. I needed music. This was pre-streaming. And so basically from the period that I moved to the period in 2007, to the period that I signed up for Spotify, which I believe was 2011... My main source of discovering new music and having new music, getting new music, was through Hype Machine. Now, it it, it left as fast as it came. And now I think a lot of people don't have any idea that it ever existed. But this was a really important building block to get me into the streaming era where suddenly everything was at my fingertips. And I specifically remember... I mean, Murdoch told me about Spotify because his wife, as we've probably talked about on the show before, is Swedish. Spotify is a Swedish company. She knew about it, and he knew about it from going to Sweden with her, and he said, it's coming stateside, and he told me, he told me, he told me, and he kept describing it as, and it sounded like a candy store. Like, I couldn't grasp that I could pay 10 bucks a month to have this service where I could access anything, because at the time, I was paying 10 bucks a month to download, like, 25 MP3s from emusic.com. That's another lost relic, and... I was really worried that the fidelity on Spotify wouldn't be good. And I remember that being a big concern was that I wanted good sounding music because sometimes on hype machine, you would download something and the quality of an MP3 would be bad, right? Because it would be a low band with blog. And so they wouldn't put up the full blown audio or anything close to it. And so, I mean, you know, I wasn't looking for like vinyl version, but I did want to hear something that sounded somewhat decent. Right? So, Anyway, this is a very long-winded way to say that at some point, I'm pretty sure, I ran a car across a music blog that told me about the Weaker Thens, and when I heard Reconstruction Site, the title track from this third record from way back in 2003, I was blown away. Beauty's just another word, I'm never certain how to spell, go tell the nurse to turn the TV back on, and throw away my misery. It never meant that 
that much to me. It never said the get well card. That steel guitar is something. But it's the second verse when he gets into these lyrics here that really got stuck under my skin and made me a John K. Sampson fan for life. And I broke like a bad joke somebody's uncle told at a wedding reception in 1972 where a little boy under a table with cake in his hair stared at the grown-up feet as they danced and swayed and his father laughed and talked on the long ride home and his mother laughed and talked on the long ride home and he thought about how everyone dies someday and when tomorrow gets here where will yesterday be and fell asleep in his brand new I get lost in those lyrics. I just absolutely love the journey he takes you on. Being in 1973 under the table with cake on your face at a, at a family reunion or reception uh, into the car on the way home overhearing your parents talk as you drift off to sleep. Just beautiful songwriting, beautiful prose set to... You know, a little bit of steel guitar or a, a little bit of slide guitar in there. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. The what he's able to do with mixing these elements of uh, sort of alt country with punk rock is just squarely in my wheelhouse, and, and sort of opened up how I thought about a lot of uh, music and made me explore and think differently about some bands that I think are in those those genres um, on the periphery of those genres. Because in some ways. I mean, weaker thans are as much like Wilco as they are Propagandi, right? They're sort of equally equidistant from those two acts, and there's something really interesting and fun about that. That again, it's it's like what I said at the beginning around this excitement of wow, this is I've never quite heard things done this way before. Uh, track four is called "Psalm for the Elks Lodge Last Call." the waitress put the chairs up Let the glasses that she broke Form a picture of our leader With a halo made of smoke Let the golden oldie station crackle And come through Now, for those that want to say that some of what they're attempting here on this record is a little too precious... This is where they would lodge that complaint because this record is set up a bit as a concept record in uh, in a certain way. It is supposed to be a song cycle that is specifically about grief and coping with grief and sadness and loss and eventual hope. And there's these three tracks that are set off by parentheses on the album listing. Manifest, which opens the album. Hospital Vespers, which comes later. And then Past Due at the end. And these are supposed to sort of set off these three different sonnets that are following a terminally ill hospital patient into the aftermath of his death. So I understand that that rubs some people the wrong way. But if that rubs you the wrong way, how about a song? I got a song for you. How about a song? about a guy who's really lonely and 
not letting himself off the hook and sort of dealing with a deep depression that he can't quite get past. And the only creature on the earth who really has the insight into him to try to explain to him what he's missing in life and to give him hope and encouragement is the cat that he lives with. How about putting that into a three and a half minute pop song? Do you think you can do it? (laughs) Again, it's a big task. And I just think this is one of the most beautiful songs ever written. You may disagree with me and that's fine. This is sort of the centerpiece of this record. Uh, As much as I love Reconstruction Site, this, uh, this song is, I think, the more openly recognized genius moment. And I'm telling you, it's genius because it could have gone very, very wrong. It's called Plea from a Cat Named Virtue. Why don't you ever want to play? I'm tired of this piece of string. You sleep as much as I do now and you don't eat much of anything. I don't know who you're talking to. Made a search through every room, but all I found was dust that moved in shadows of the afternoon. And listen, like those bitter songs you sing, they're not helping anything. They won't make you strong. So we should. Part of what brought this album top of mind to me recently was I saw someone share a meme on social media that was a, a it was a cartoon that depicted basically the plot of this song that uh, a depressed man's cat was standing behind him trying to encourage him and I thought I wonder if they did that on purpose or if more than one person has had the idea of I wonder if I could create a piece of art about a cat rescuing a depressed man. Uh, it works really well, and spoiler alert, on their next record that will come out in 2007 called Reunion Show, there is a sequel to this song about uh, Virtue the Cat. So if you like that, go check them out both. It's also very good. Um, but listen, they're not just writing about cats. Again, if you wanted to be annoyed by this band and call them slightly pretentious, the next song, well, they decided, what if we imagined a dinner date between the philosopher Mikel Foucault and a hopelessly nostalgic member of Ernest Shackleton's expedition to Antarctica. Just one more drink and then I should be on my way home. I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about. I've had a really nice time, but my dogs need to be fed. I must say that in the right light, you look like Shackleton. Come on, Tally. I don't know how much you know about Canadian music. We do like to talk about it. We like to talk about how Canadian music is played on Canadian radio, and thus it has more of a presence in Canada uh, and sometimes the United States because of that. Um, so we, t- we, we like to talk about it on the show. But if you know a whole lot about folk artists and other artists in Canada, you might know the name Christine Fellows. Christine Fellows, another uh, artist who is married to John K. Sampson. And she shows up as a contributing artist on this record quite a bit. Uh, the next track on this album is called Time's Arrow. So you watch the sunrise sinking And she's talking in her sleep Dream of how alone she was Tomorrow 
Did you think this song was going to be slightly less pretentious and not have references to deep literature that you haven't heard of? You were wrong. This is uh, this is in reference to a novel called A Time Zero uh, by Martin Amos. Uh, and it was, I believe it won the Man Booker Prize uh, in 1991. Or it was shortlisted for the Booker Prize in 1991. Here's, you know, if you listen to those opening lyrics, the book happens in a reverse chronology. So time passes in reverse, and the main character becomes younger and younger during the novel. So a bit like Benjamin Button, but not. Uh, and that was the inspiration for this track, Time's Arrow. Um, that's then followed up with one of these tracks that plays into this, the, the three tracks that structure this album. The first one, like I said, opens, manifests, and then this one is just a minute 40 um, and is more about atmosphere than melody, and it's called Hospital Vespers. Lofted so they couldn't see Turned to find you out of bed and kneeling Before the nurses came, took you away I stood there on a chair and watched you pray Now, if you go back and listen to the other songs that are in this trio, you can hear that they're all using the same melody. So the production is different, the sound is different, um, but they all borrow from that same melodic refrain. And next on the record, Uncorrected Proofs. This is another rocker. The mirrors and the unacknowledged nods Dial tones and license plates The words you didn't choose Everything the day's too small to hold Spills onto the dust and shorts the evening's fuse. See so a fumble for a voice and sing happy birthday. Read it to yourself again. The story's always in the same. He can't stay, she won't. I mentioned earlier that Epitaph Records is also the home to the band Motion City Soundtrack, who comes from the Twin Cities, and their first record will come out around this same time, Um, and I've always found that interesting, because I do think that they, especially in a song like this, have a lot of similarities, specifically around the verboseness. Uh, Justin Pierre, their songwriter, also big on the the storytelling elements and using a lot of words to, to get across what he's saying and to fill every moment sort of of the melodic uh, framework that he's working with. Um, but I really hear it here in Uncorrected Proofs. Uh, the next song on the record is a song called A New Name for Everything. shelter windows and napkin dispenser surprise with distorted reflections it's never the someone you're hoping to recognize and the rent is too high living here between reasons to live 
If you hadn't heard the all-country influences before, I think they're apparent here. If you hadn't heard the Wilco influence or Wilco comparison, I believe it's it's sort of here. And this is a nice bridge into one of the other songs that has become fairly notable on this record. Uh, it's buried sort of here near the end, but it's a song that later will be a theme song to a Canadian TV show um, uh, called Less Than Kind. I don't know if you're up on your, on your CTV, but if you are, you might know that. Um, and it is a, a song about their hometown. Like I said, they are from uh, Winnipeg and this song is called one great city, but the refrain is less than, uh, generous to Winnipeg. And in the dollar store, the clerk is closing up and counting loonies trying not to say, I hate Winnipeg. The driver checks the mirror seven minutes late. The album's just got a few tracks left. Next, Benediction, and then The Presence of Dawn, and then it will end with another one of those refrains that loops back to the two we've heard before, the one I called uh, Past Due. Here's a marker. Here's my naked skin. Our exhibit A. Put a small X where I lost my way. The sirens woke me up again. I know they're coming for me someday, just a matter of when. Count to 25 and yawn. Touch the clock and turn my back against the dawn and hope for that one dream of hardware stores we checkered I'm not the only one who thinks this album is fantastic. Uh, there's a Canadian website called Ballast who every once in a while puts out a list trying to rank the best Canadian uh, rock albums or, or just the best Canadian albums of all time. Uh, they do they do 50 and uh, on a list in 2013, they put Reconstruction Site at, at 47 on their list of 50. Now, you might say that's low, but um, 46 was Gordon. And, I mean, everybody in Canada and America loves the Bare Naked Ladies. So to get that close to, to B&L is pretty good. Other uh, albums on this list, Gordon Lightfoot, Cowboy Junkies, Ron Sexsmith, BTO, uh, several Neil Young appearances, of course, The Guess Who, Arcade Fire, uh, Japan Droids, and Alanis Morissette. So very good company. I think to make it 47 with all those folks in front of you is pretty damn good. Uh, I'm interested if you're a Weaker Than fan, please hit us up. We are the story guys at gmail.com. <laughs> Let me know. Maybe you like another one of their albums. Maybe you've never heard of them. Maybe you have an album that means a lot to you. We love to talk about this stuff, so feel free to tell us about it. Hit us up at we are the story guys at gmail.com. This has been Albums That Changed My Life. Brian talking about the Weaker Than's reconstruction site from 2003. Have a great one.
and keep telling stories and playing your favorite records.